0: Texas Talking, ah. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas Talking, ah. Gonna hoop up beside your head. Texas Talking, ah. Tell me who can you trust when Texas has more. Texas has more. Welcome to Tribcast. This is Mark Updegrove, the director of the LBJ Presidential Library. Get ready. Congress and Texas lawmakers are back in session. And now, Here's your host, Reeve Hamilton. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the second week of January. I am joined by CEO and editor-in-chief Evan Smith. Hello, Reeve. Executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And editor Emily Ramshaw. Hello,
1: Reeve. <laughs> Was that an Evan <laughs> that Smith impression? My Evan impersonation. Did it sound good? It
0: sounded just like him. <laughs> I know. This I is, is not do. starting out well. <laughs> you mean because everyone's impersonating you? Oh, go
2: ahead.
1: Just... Or because this is the second time we've taped the podcast today. Yeah, yeah
2: some... <laughs> you should have heard the first podcast, boy. Yeah. Due to some it technical errors,
3: awesome. <laughs> we can just you play are... it back as a thirty-second beep. Uh, Everyone well, is getting the
2: the second recording of the podcast. I think the hundred and first time we mentioned Matt Rinaldi's name, the thing broke. <laughs> it was
0: the Rosemary Wood version.
1: That will be the lost tribcast. The lost
2: tribcast that no one will ever see. That's right.
0: Okay, but we're going to Here. From now on, we will pretend like this is the first TribCast we've recorded since Ever. the start of the 84th legislative session. Hi, Reeve. Session. How
2: was your holiday? Yeah. Or something no, we like did this. that oh, last I week.
0: Remember. No, this is just since the session started. So we're in the 84th session now, and we know who the speaker is. And we have already done this in our first one, so who is it? We've marveled at Ross's
3: Are you, you going to keep Ross's predictive
2: abilities? <laughs>
0: Right.
3: You're going to keep flashing back to only three hours ago, aren't you? Yeah. Um, 128 to 19 um, is the way the House came out. Um, Joe Strauss is the speaker again. And, you know, the opposition amounted to very little.
2: Let, let's let's acknowledge that for all the talk of how Democrats were going to elect Joe Strauss, he won with just Republicans. Right. 77 Republicans. Won more than, of the more Republicans, than right. enough to get elected if every Democrat had stayed home and played Call of Duty or something
0: Do you think like they were all swayed by Rene Oliveira's seconding speech? Probably, yeah. That was it. That was the one. That was the one that pushed them over the edge.
2: I, I think that there's an interesting conversation to be had about whether Strauss has been sufficiently uh, courting of the Democrats or whether he's taken them for granted. You know, the fact he he knows that they have no better option, but I think he's actually done more of the former. I think he's actually made an effort to reach out to them, and it's probably been to his peril because in doing so, he's given fuel to the people who say he's not conservative enough. But if you lead, you have to lead both parties. You have to lead the whole state.
3: You know, he won the speakership in the House when it was 76 Republicans and 74 Democrats. And then two years later, won it with the highest number of Republicans it's ever had, 102. Right. Um, So, you know, after that uh, 2011 session, he really hasn't needed the Democrats to do this. But it it helps to have them, but it helps to have them. Kept them in to keep the House together. And and he's done a pretty good job of that. But you know his his side has argued, and I think you know with some substance that it's been a really conservative house that passed a lot of really conservative legislation, and obviously most of the Republicans you know are happy with it,
0: but there are 19 that are not, and uh, did they show their cards in terms of the. Uh, small size of their group, or did they make I, a big difference by I think actually it, casting a vote against the Speaker? I think they proved that they're political pipsqueaks. I mean, you can get 20 House members Man. to go out.
2: R. Ramsey you, at <laughs> TexasTribune.org.
3: You can get 20 <laughs> House members Tony to Tony go Tenderholt's going to drive over here and kick tattoos. your ass I mean, when you say they'll, that. You know, they'll run out and do anything. You know, 20 members of the House can, you know, in any given day, you can get 20 members of the House off on any tangent. And and this doesn't look like a substantial political
2: movement. They're smaller than the Democrats.
1: Was there anyone who ended up voting for Strauss who you anticipated would have been in the Turner camp?
2: Well, I'm sorry to make this sound like it's all about race because it's not, but James White. I think the big surprise among the people who came out for Strauss in those letters kind of day after day or week after week, I thought James White, who struck me as Tea Party down the middle, super duper conservative, you know, I would have predicted that he would have supported uh, Turner. Turner I would have su- predicted that Drew Springer would have supported Turner. There were some members no, who I of... figured were going to be Turner people or were going to be not Strauss people but ended up being and of course that became the whole ball game because once the numbers were put up there wasn't any way mathematically for Turner Ball to game win.
1: is the appropriate thing to say here because in Turner's speech it was all about the football analogies. It's
2: all sports analogies.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, he was comparing his effort to run for speaker with his effort to get into the NFL. You know, he was the little guy. He w- didn't weigh enough. He didn't run fast enough. You well, he know, did but run he, fast
3: enough. That's the thing. That but he still us. made it. Yeah.
0: I, I, he, he didn't run fast enough this time. I don't think it was. I don't think it was his physical size that stopped
3: him.
1: Did you get
2: an adequate <laughs> sense of of what he wanted to do? At any point during this campaign, this was my one you enduring... frustration and to change and I things were ta- the
1: better. Ross and I were talking about my this My enduring frustration yes, right. was that yeah.
2: I don't think I understood by, by the day of the vote what he wanted to do other than not be Joe Strauss.
3: They never explicitly gave a rationale for... A a change and B if there was going to be a change why
2: he was going to be the guy you changed to right well and specifically and, uh, what the change would be I mean rationale for a change is one more thing. more
1: conservative
2: why
3: him but how but could then... you get
1: that much more conservative than this house has already been well they you know there are
3: a couple of issues you know a few issues that didn't pass the house last time that also you know a couple of issues didn't pass the Senate mm-hmm. last vouchers time. for instance and and some of the conservatives think that a truly conservative house in their eyes, would pass more conservative mm-hmm. legislation well, so than to this the, one Well, to that.
2: to that point, as you know, because you were there, I had Matt Rinaldi, Linda Koop, and Celia Israel this morning at the Austin Club, three of the new members of the House, talking about the session. And I asked Matt Rinaldi about a couple different issues. Vouchers came up, and I said, do you think you have the votes to pass the vouchers bill? Because last session you had close to the same number of Republicans, and you couldn't get the bill passed. And his response was, if we can get the bill to the floor... And he said that two or three different times about two or three different issues. And it occurs to me that that's going to be the conversation. And it has been the conversation if you've been listening, which I thought I was, but I'm now beginning to see it over my shoulder all along. Your eyes have the argument mm-hmm. – suddenly my eyes have been the argument against Strauss has been that Strauss somehow deliberately through kind of a – you know we, we want to Sneaky keep these guys – right, right. or incompetence yeah. – Somehow bottled up legislation. So it's e. Smith at Texas. Well, Canadians. I'm just articulating their case, not my own, that somehow Strauss bottled up legislation over the course of the last three sessions. that but for his handling of it as the leader would have gotten to the floor, would have had the votes and would have passed. That's going to become the argument. So the chant up until the speaker's race or the vote yesterday was, we want a record vote. What I think you're going to hear now for the next 139 days or so is – let let bills come to the floor.
1: Isn't a record vote wasn't a record vote at this point more of an embarrassment than anything else?
2: No, nah, they wanted transparency well, I, on who voted for Strauss. Uh, and we should didn't. say we should say it was the
0: first record vote for a speaker since 1975. Right,
1: and I understand that they want to be able to hold people accountable. You know, the folks who really wanted a new speaker here. But at the end of the day, the numbers were so pathetic that it only ends up, I think, making them look weak.
3: Yeah, this is one of those things where, you know, if this had been, you know, back to baseball, if this had been a Little League baseball game, you would have called a mercy rule at some point.
2: Yeah, but the flip side of it is that within about 10 minutes, Michael Quinn Sullivan and a team had emails going out right. into the districts of the 77 Republicans who voted for Strauss. And they said, look, you're I mean, I saw one that had been shared with me that was Paul Workman, Paul Workman, the state representative Republican from from Austin, your state representative Paul workman voted for Joe Strauss, so basically Paul workman owns the vote and the byproduct of this session led by Strauss in the House. so if things don't go the way that you want them to go from a conservative legislation standpoint, Paul workman owns that, and therefore you should vote against Paul workman and I assume these went out to the to the all all the districts
0: although there seems mm-hmm. to be a growing so a record vote made that possible there seems to be sort of a growing willingness to push back at scorecards and this sort of vote tracking uh you know I would Strauss had a big applause line in his acceptance. Is it an acceptance speech? In his post-victory speech, right?
1: And it was the strongest thing he'd said publicly. I think on this particular issue, you know, pushing back at the at the groups who seek to divide us, divide the Republicans. The, you know, the remark he made specifically about the scorecards, which was a direct line. You know, right? Scorecard. The only
2: scorecard that matters is Texans the vote of 27 crew. million Texans. He was going after those guys, and and that's not. And let's give Strauss an acknowledgement here. That's not been in his character politically to do mm-hmm. that. It was a little bit unusual for him to step it got out, a
3: standing like. ovation out of the House, too. Um, and the other big line was, you cannot govern this House if you divide
1: it. Mm-hmm. You like, know, mm-hmm. I think that that a lot of uh, Republican lawmakers were were running scared last session when they were fearing they were going to get primaried. You know, they felt like they had to be really careful how they spoke and, and the way they voted. But I think also there's been sort of a band of brothers thing going on since then where they've all been sort of getting together and saying, you know, we don't want to be held hostage here. You know, let's let's show that we are aligned and and that we can knock this speaker's race out of the park. I,
2: I think though that that's an interesting conversation in and of itself because there's been a way to do it and a way maybe not mm-hmm. to do it. The way to do it has been to simply not get distracted by all this chatter outside and just do your job, win win the speaker's race the way you win it. Um, just do things and don't don't react. Don't give these guys oxygen. The way that's been criticized is to take these guys on directly and by doing so elevating them. You know the Jason Vialba Matt Rinaldi uh, debate in quotes over the speaker's race uh, up in the Metroplex a right. couple of days ago. I'm not certain ultimately helped. <laughs> And anyone, and really. I'm not, well, honestly, I'm not certain, actually, that and anyone like really noticed. like, who even noticed. Yeah. Well, I noticed. You noticed. Well, That's you spend a lot,
1: you spend most of your waking hours on Twitter. That's why you noticed.
2: Well, now you've outed me. That's right. <laughs> um, but I actually think there was a conversation about whether the, the, the idea of engaging this side that was seeking to tear Strauss down and to tear down a certain kind of Republicanism was ultimately a worthwhile thing to do or produce any meaningful results, because in engaging that side, you basically make them a worthy opponent. And a lot of people in the House, quite frankly, don't think of that side as a worthy opponent. I think they started to regard them as bullies, and they decided to show how strong the bully was or was not, and the bully's not very strong. I was imagining if Gary Trudeau drew a cartoon of the legislature like Doonesbury that Vialba would now be a disembodied pocket square just hanging around. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think the problem really for the nineteen. And the problem for the people with them is, you own your vote. I mean, just as the people who voted for Strauss own their vote. Now, if Strauss elects to be a benevolent speaker and not punish them, they still know that at any time, you know, he could, that you know, smite them, and he might put them on a committee that you know meets in Yonkers, you know, or something like that. Twice a think their I think their hope session. here is
3: I think their hope here is that this is the Alamo, and that you know, when Strauss is gone, that this faction of the Republican Party can. You know from the organizational roots it's building now build something to take the house i don't know if the state's still going to be in the mood for that then it's clearly not in the mood for that now
2: could somebody other than turner have done better
3: well here's the thing in the house you know when the house senses weakness in leadership there are 150 alphas over there who want to be speaker and who look in the mirror when they're shaving or putting on their makeup every morning thinking that they're seeing a future president of the United States. If they sense weakness, they will go after it. And nobody was going after it. Was you could, there any
2: weakness you to could, be sensed in this case? Probably not. You
3: could tell right. that there that the Strauss speakership was not in trouble by the fact that none of the usual ambitious politicians mm-hmm. in the House were sniffing around. You know, they had Name to... had re- names. Somebody outside had to outside had come, to come mind. in. Well, I mean, any chairman. I mean, you know, you could go through the whole list of chairmen and say, you know, any of these people would love to be... Speaker of the House. When Tom Craddock got in trouble, there were all of a sudden six or seven names floating around of it. Could be this one. I hear this one's talking to people.
2: At no point did There's you no hear No chatter like that yeah, this
3: right. time. And in fact, Scott Turner um, was arguably recruited from outside the House, not inside the House. From Midland? From Midland, Texas.
0: The I that's exactly uh, right. We, we were talking a lot about the House and how, I mean, we, now we know the numbers of – the anti-Strauss people in the Texas House. But is it possible they might have more friends with more clout in the Texas Senate?
3: That's arguable. I think that may be right. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, Dan think,
1: Patrick being one of those for sure.
3: Yeah, the kind of people or the kind of legislation that Strauss's detractors want to see is likely to come out of the Senate. And, and you know, that's been true since the elections, mm-hmm. really since the primaries. You know, and we'll see what the House does with that stuff when it gets it. We'll see what the Senate does with stuff the House sends over. I mean, this is gonna be an interesting balancing act right. between Tug of War. You know, Patrick sort of embodies one end of the Republican Party and Strauss kind of embodies the other. We get it we get to see an acid test the next five months.
0: Are we anticipating a volatile session, calm session? So far, it's been... Uh, How you know, do you ever
1: know? I mean, that, that's the thing, is you get into a session and you think it's going to be a calm session, and suddenly the shit hits the fan, and, you know, it's it's all-out warfare. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: People we, go get T-shirts you, and yeah. fill yeah. up know, the rotunda. I, I, <laughs> exactly. I agree with <laughs> you that you go into a session not thinking... Things are going to blow up, and oh. then they do invariably. I will I say, thought you were going to say not thinking. Full I was going stop. to say, no. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on not knowing going into a session what's going to happen. But I will say that on two issues at least that I could think of that are likely to be absolutely at the center of the discussion this session, I think there's the potential for the kind of blow up you're referring to. One is on guns, and we had a little bit of that yesterday with Pancho Dívar's office being the ground zero for. What was really a larger conversation mm-hmm. about what – how should the gun lobby be approaching this
0: the other and issue. how should members yeah. be
2: responding to it? But I think the other issue is in-state tuition. Yeah,
1: I was going to say. I mean those are the only two that have I think the likelihood right. to draw the same kind of crowds. I just don't think you know the abortion legislation, that last session that drew so much attention and so many people, I just don't see them pushing that hard. Um, well,
2: Rinaldi said today when I asked about social issues a, a phrase that he took some issue with which I think is okay fine. He said social
3: issue is the is the label that people in Austin put on things they don't want to talk about.
2: Yeah, I don't know that I agree with that. What no, is it? What label did
1: he prefer? Directly into well, I it,
2: I was thinking like same-sex marriage, abortion, you know, no, stuff no, like no that. what you were
0: thinking what does it, what term does he prefer?
2: Well, he didn't say same-sex but, but, marriage, or, but I asked him about, yeah. ab- I, asked him about right. yeah. I asked him about abortion, and what he said was, "We would like to see some additional abortion legislation." And I asked him some version of, "Well, what do you want to accomplish that you didn't accomplish last time?" And he said, "We would like to, to make abortion illegal in Texas." You know, hard yeah. hard to do. Um, don't know that the body will have a stomach even with the new composition of the legislature. We already have a stomach for we? This. it. Is still
1: constitutionally right. protected, right?
2: Right. Um, that's I right. have a hard time believing right. that abortion comes back up in any meaningful way. They're there not going to want. There may want be appetizers rather than entrees. They are not going to
1: want the the shit show, for lack of a better term, that they got last session. Right. I mean, and I
2: don't think same-sex marriage has much traction in this legislature mm-hmm. right now. Plus,
1: all that movement is in the courts right now, anyway. Right. And so so I both. think they're just going to be sort of watching. But
2: I think in-state tuition is an interesting one.
1: That one for sure. And well, I really but,
2: and I really think the gun stuff is rising. Yeah, let's up get back the to the gun, gun stuff because are, that's the the what
0: charts. was so high profile on day one. On day one, you had. Uh, I mean, uh, this sort of the, the only non ceremonial news to really come out of day one was this video of these. uh, it's uh the open, open carry. Open carry, folks, advocates, advocates yeah. in uh, Pancho Navarez's office trying to get him to commit to voting for open carry laws, and he said no. And then they refused to leave his office, and he had to sort of kick them out, encourage them to leave. And now there's a, a negative discussion of approach, uh, right?
2: panic of panic buttons in offices. Is that right? Yeah. That came up today.
1: Yeah, although apparently they've already had the ability to. Charlie Aaron was saying
3: that all the stuff DPS did after nine eleven. You know, mm-hmm. uh, militarizing uh, the capital. You know, there are probably panic buttons in the.
1: I just think you know it was a weird was scene to have you know you had all these families running around, all these kids running around, and then right outside the Capitol you had you know uh, 3D printers that were actually making uh, pieces of firearms, um, and you know I think there were some some families, in particular some lawmakers' families, who got pretty upset by it, unsettled by it. So it was it was uh, an interesting. And, <laughs> and you had
0: disagreement within the open ca- pro open carry. Mm-hmm. Groups about exactly how they should be going right. about what the getting their message was. out. No, yeah. the, the
3: general rule is cupcakes work better than chest thumping. You know, when you're making when you're it making sales. Like a well, maybe so. Term, yeah, right. if you're making trying to make a sale in the capital, you know, as Emily has said, bring cookies.
2: Maybe mm-hmm. you smuggle a, a a bullet in and a cupcake or something like that. Right? Something like cupcakes. This John
3: Malkovich out. movie. Here we go.
2: Look, the the open carry versus constitutional carry question is one that is not yet resolved as far as the session goes and there's probably a greater likelihood based on what people are saying that open carry is more likely to pass than which we would be licensed this, this is the, is the issue of whether I, when I'm
3: carrying a gun openly I have to have a license mm-hmm. as open carry or no license because it's already the, in Constitution the Constitution right. is my I have a constitutional license. right to you know, right. carry this thing around.
1: And then adding one more is the whole debate over campus carry, where we've had Admiral right. McRaven, the new uh, UT system chancellor, has basically come out against. Guy
2: knows his way around it. a gun. He,
1: yeah, guy who clearly has spent some time with. I know firearms. that it's not
2: common for us to praise you, or you on this podcast, but let me say that interview the McRaven last week was great. Oh, and, I, got, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was really wonderful, and and the open carry stuff was interesting. You know, he's a guy new to his job, knew enough that he said on in-state tuition, I don't know that I have enough facts to venture a, a, an opinion, but on on guns on campus, oh, he had enough facts.
0: Mm-hmm. I, the
3: question is after the first legislative session if he's going to want his guns back.
0: Well, he may. It's, uh, of, of course, you know, you could see how it could set up, though, as a nice sort of bargaining chip. You know, what they did last session was they couldn't move campus carry, so at the last second they suspended the rules and passed a bill that didn't actually change anything that allowed guns – in parked cars on campus, parking lots. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're there seems to be a big push this time on open carry that becomes too hard. It's easy to see how, oh, okay, well, we'll give you campus carry it becomes a sort of like, well, we'll give you this little piece. Yeah,
2: except this ties into the whole debate over local control that's not really local control. You know, we had uh, uh, in the last couple of sessions when campus carry came up as a, as a live bit of legislation, you had college presidents and campus oh, police Universities and, come
1: down here like crazy and oppose it.
2: I don't know that there's a single – they're probably – having said that, there probably is one, but I don't know that there is a single – a uh, college administrator at one of the public universities in Texas or campus police chiefs who believe this is a good thing. I think there are some
0: that won't oppose it.
2: Well, but I don't think anybody is the out same it, as, yeah. And the opposition for it is overwhelming. And op- it's already allowed those on
1: those private campuses. campuses, right? Or they can regulate Well,
2: themselves. somebody said the other day, Joan Huffman, I thought, said to me the other day that she thought there was some The, the
3: state, when they were doing the campus carry stuff, that, um, private versus. decided not to, if they were going to try to require campuses to allow... Sealed handguns. They were not going to regulate private campuses, mm. so they, you know, they're they're still self determining the state campuses are arguably, you know, agencies of government, and so the government ought to be able to sit there.
2: I, I think what they're saying is, look, the fact that private colleges don't get dollars from the state, notwithstanding, they're still subject to the same Second Amendment of the Constitution right. that the rest of us are, and you know, and uh, they they view they view uh, the campus carry advocates view this is really not about local control. They view it as about the Constitution.
0: Yeah, but, of course, local controls, I mean, I think we've, we've discussed on previous issues, is it totally within the eyes of the beholder, right? I'm for it if I ca- agree with what you by, decide. It's total case by case. It's yeah. like, Abbott, you, know, you,
3: you either want everybody to determine how they want it to go or you think that on various issues that everybody determining how they want to go creates a patchwork of laws that make the state – you know, a hard place to to work. You know, right. Greg
0: Abbott's caught on this right now. And Ab, Abbott just gave a speech at the TPPF conference where right. he said that you know we can't let Texas be Californiaized And right. the way that's happening right now is all these cities passing fracking bans and right. So uh, he paper came out against ban, fracking I mean, ban and he came out against bands. the bag ban. You know, fracking yeah. bans right. are the ones that triggered this, and
3: it's kind of interesting. The State has never been able to pass a a smoking ban. It's never been able to pull it off. And so cities have done it, and conservative cities have done it. You know, there's city ordinances all over the state. That's one of the local control things. I mean, uh, this is complicated. And and the the cities really want to be self-determining, and the state wants uniformity. And I think it's quite a fight.
2: The the, the implication – there's a policy implication on things like fracking bans and bag bans. But then there's a revenue budgeting implication. So the state has over time gotten out of the business of paying for certain things. Or has declined to put money in to pay for certain things. So in 2013, Julian Castro, then still the mayor of San Antonio, orchestrated this eighth-of-a-cent sales tax increase to fund 22,000 four-year-olds full-day pre-K. So they go to the voters, and the voters approve it. And so it goes in. And part of the reason that he did that was because the state had said, basically, we don't have the money to do pre-K. And so local communities took it upon themselves. I I think this is a very interesting question in an era of tight budgets and booming populations, where cities and counties are having to bear the responsibility for providing services, not just education, but across the board, to the people who live there, and the states saying, we're not going to do it, and the counties and cities are saying, fine, then we're going to jump in and try to get it paid for ourselves.
1: It's the same thing that's actually the conversation that started around expanding Medicaid with cities and counties Correct. saying, could we negotiate with the feds ourselves, hey, local control, uh, you know, to draw down some of these Medicaid right. expansion dollars.
2: You remember John Corona attempting several different sessions to get— I remember John Corona. <laughs> remember him? Several different sessions to— uh, to try to get some kind of local control on transportation stuff, and it was mm-hmm. never right. a, a – right. the there was this legislature side didn't if, like that very much. If the
3: legislature won't do a gasoline tax or index a right. gasoline but tax, but maybe, maybe you Texas could do it on a good. local option for local roads, and everybody went nuts.
2: kind of seems like the state should be happy to have the responsibility taken on by – cities and counties, because it gives them free birth to wide birth to stop paying for stuff. Well,
3: there, there are some issues where, you know, you want to have a uniform law, you know. Um,
0: Representative Bell filed that bill that basically would eliminate salary and benefits for any government same-sex. official mm-hmm. city right. or right. state that tried to incur, enforce same sex marriages. Now,
2: you know, I don't like the text while I drive because that would be wrong. But now in the city of Austin and in the city of San Antonio, there are severe restrictions put on whether you, your fingers can touch a mobile phone.
3: This is, this is Evan Smith of WeavingLandRover.com. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> are
0: you licensed to lobby? Me personally? I'm not lobbying on behalf of the
2: mobile phone people, but I might be persuaded to do so. But my, my point is if you don't like local control – then just please yeah. give me my damn GPS and the phone <laughs> back.
1: I thought you were going to say then. Just let me break the law. I can't get any
2: place. This is terrible.
0: Getting getting back to paying for stuff, can we talk a little bit about the revenue estimate? What it is and that's uh, big. What yeah. it will what it will mean? Money bags it come, bigger seriously? come in higher than you expected.
3: It did come in higher than I expected, and you know, it's it's the numbers almost don't matter. We talked about this phenomena. You know, this legislature comes in with more money available to spend than this legislature is willing to spend. Right. You know, they they don't want to grow the budget as much as you would grow the budget if you spent all this money. So they're in this yeah. weird position of saying, yes, I I did not put money in your program, and it's true that we had the money in our pocket, and that's really uncomfortable. So well, what they are talking about instead, with the Rainy
1: Day Fund for years, though.
3: So, so what they're saying instead this year, their cover story is, you know, oil price is very, very volatile. I think Glenn Hager may be high on his oil price. He says $70 a barrel. Right now it's around 50 that's, that makes me nervous. We're nervous about school finance, and they've got all of these things to be nervous about. And the nervous bin uh, is what they're going to use to justify not spending the money they have available on the programs be that people the want. Beware the nervous bin. Kirk Watson said mm-hmm. something
2: the other day. I've heard him say this before, but it's a pretty good line, I'll tell you, even the third or fourth time. He said half the time we our position on this is we don't have enough money. And half the time his position is we might not have enough money. <laughs> and so we never spend the money we have available. Really? 113 is the ceiling. It does not mean they have to spend all 113. Right. But it's hard if you're Donna Howard or Celia Israel or a Democrat, if there are Democrats really left having this conversation, to say we've been going without and the constituencies we serve have been going without for so long because we didn't have money. Well, except, now we have money.
1: Except given the accuracy or lack thereof of these projections in the past, you know, would you be safe spending all that money? Ish. I mean, uh, <laughs> they're not – these numbers are, like, rarely accurate.
2: Well, but they've been really accurate in the wrong direction. In other words, the problem last time wasn't that Susan Combs overshot the runway. It's that she never got out of the terminal. It's, a question, like,
1: of,
3: it's a question of what kind of mistake do you want to make. You know, right. we had a uh, another um, TRIB event where – was this last year or two years ago – where Tommy Williams and Jim Pitts, then the chairman of finance right. and appropriations, 13. each said – that the 2011 cuts to public education, about $5 billion of cuts, would not have occurred had the revenue estimate
2: been, ac- been accurate. Mm-hmm. So because, I think Speaker Strauss said some version of the same thing. Right.
3: So what they're saying is you know, the mistake wasn't that we got into a situation where – We overshot the runway. The mistake was that we got into a place where we couldn't provide the level of education we wanted to provide.
1: But it's like the price is right rule. I think you'd always rather come in under than over.
0: But But you can choose to come in under if you have – Correct. If you err the wrong way on the estimate. Mm -hmm. I I think,
2: though, this is just one example of why this matters. So – Governor
0: schools, the public schools were not a good, not enough a good enough yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> reason. Yeah. No, 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 no.
2: Five billion dollars. Governor $5 elect Governor elect yeah. Abbott has said now he wants to have four billion dollars to invest in infrastructure, roads. Right. The ballot initiative last November was going to put a billion seven in, and he'd only have to find two point three, but now the price of oil is below fifty, and so Joe Pickett, the chairman of the funding committee that Strauss appointed is saying that that ballot initiative name. may, not not the official name, the ballot initiative may actually result in only about $750 million or $800 million. So now suddenly you're looking at having to find more than $3 billion. Abbott is adamant about not having new fees, new taxes, or new sources of revenue. So that $3 billion plus is going to have to come from somewhere else in the budget, and those dollars are in competition. So if you suddenly have a lot more money available to you per the revenue estimate, it might be much easier. Maybe people would say, well, we shouldn't be that lazy. But I'm here to say, if you have to cut inside a budget, why wouldn't you avail yourself of the opportunity to spend a little bit more and not have to cut things that you're paying for now? Why not use some of that additional money and have that be the funds? Everybody be happy that we're finally funding transportation adequately.
3: You know, the other thing that's on a lot of um, wish lists, conservative and not, is tax cuts, right. um, margins tax for business. Uh, maybe the state could step in, step in and do something about property taxes. Um, I think the property tax thing, I mean, if history is a guide, the property tax thing will probably wait for some kind of school finance ruling. But, you know, if you've got all of this money and, you know, one of the options is handing it back to voters, you know, there are a lot of people over there who would love to hand it back to voters.
2: True.
1: A lot of voters would like to have it handed back.
2: Including us. Well, you
0: want to do a little uh, federal government news before we head out and just –
1: Are
2: you going to compare me to Hitler? Hitler. Uh, not here not on the today. podcast. I, was
0: say, yeah.
1: I, think that has, I think that has already happened.
2: You do share a birthday. We do have a birthday. That's right. We're also, we're
1: also I feel that way when Evan, is te- <laughs> when Evan is texting me from behind the wheel.
0: I think it's the mustache, though, that really gives my, it away. My mustache is perfectly square. That's true. Uh, so uh, U.S. Representative Randy Weber uh, did compare... Right. Our Twitter. Yeah. Obama <laughs> to, to Hitler uh, and has since apologized for it.
2: Uh, initially, he didn't. Would, I yeah. want to let, let, let us get on the record. This, did I he had, ever
0: pull it down? Oh, hell no.
2: And Politico reported Randy Weber pulled the tweet down. And so I went, look, no, and they never pulled it down. He initially did not apologize. He initially was basically the right – yeah, what of it? And, and then he eventually apologized. What do he say? It was,
0: it, was about this, it was about this sort of unity march in Paris. France. Obama didn't go to Paris. No
1: Obama or nobody, no senior White House officials went.
0: And I think Weber's tweet said something like, even Hitler understood
1: even Hitler how important Russia it was to Paris. get to Paris quickly. Yeah.
0: And then he put out a statement, eventually apologizing, saying, uh, you know, I didn't realize that mentioning Hitler was uh, sensitive for people, but I realize that I now. I didn't
2: mean actual <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> I meant Adolf Hitler with an
0: F.
3: But Arnold th. Hitler, yeah, Arnold right. Hitler.
0: You do see this? I mean, we had a uh, state senator, uh, Perry, when he got when he won his election, he compared the current federal government to the Nazi Nazis. Nazis, I seem to remember that. So, I mean, right. this is not like a new thing. obviously. No, but let's but...
1: congratulate Congress because it did take like seven days for them to for somebody to compare Obama to Hitler.
2: Right, <laughs> right, and that's only because Steve Stockman is no longer right. banging around that building.
1: Right? <laughs> is it, is it, is
2: who was replaced it? by who? <laughs>
0: is there anything to, to make of this kerfuffle? Oh, or is Hitler. it just something that's going to happen on when you have people tweeting from time to time? The titler Should we be asking you, for a higher you know, level of people discourse?
3: Say, people say stupid stuff. And if you give them Twitter, they say stupid stuff into a megaphone.
1: Under what circumstances is it ever a good idea to mention Hitler in a tweet, honestly?
0: When you're wishing happy birthday to Evan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would just assume you mentioned Jessica Lang, who also shares...
0: Uh, an American Horror Story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, that's what this podcast is every week.
0: Yeah, well, people are going to d- say dumb stuff. That's true. Uh, any other thoughts? Otherwise, we'll we'll close out on that note.
1: Yes, I have a thought. Oh, uh, I just wanted to encourage all of you to check out the Tribune's new 84th Ledge site. Hashtag which, ad. Hashtag ad. Hashtag. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically... Check it, it out
0: while you drive. That's what
2: evidence is. Yeah, right. Exactly. Seriously.
1: I think you did that today. <laughs> In fact, today. I'm
2: driving right now.
1: But instead of... It, it does have the bill tracker and have the legislative live stream like uh, we do every session. But it also has these really neat curated hot lists of the bills that reporters... And, and bills and issues reporters think you should be watching at any given moment. Uh, so it's it great. There's
0: pictures of our faces on it.
1: Check it out. ledge Is it that, Texas is it that cheesecake picture
0: org. of you that you
2: put up on the site recently? That, yes. It's... Yeah.
1: He doesn't look like a cheesecake. He That's looks great in that picture. Fifty Shades of
2: Reeve. Why do you mean? It didn't look like a cheesecake. That's not what I was. That was not. It was not a dessert restaurant.
0: Reference. We'd Let's like call to, it
1: beefcake, not cheesecake.
0: We'd like to encourage you to send questions and comments to, <laughs> to Tribcast to at beefcake at like. trib. you yeah, Us. I'm, send us your emails. We'll happily send you some pictures. Uh, we'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music On behalf of Emily and Ross And thank Todd
2: for not Breaking the damn podcast This time
0: Evan you No know, producer Todd who's, who's seen us through So many uh, podcasts Just today alone <laughs> This is Reed Thanks for listening All right, All right. This the, is awkward
1: What's the, what's the intro?